Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our In the World, Not of It series, which walks through the book of 1 Corinthians, showing how we are citizens of a better country. We hope this sermon will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God used it in your life. Well, let's take our Bibles today and let's go to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians in chapter number 14. 1 Corinthians in chapter 14 this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and I hope you had a, a good Christmas, and if you didn't have a good Christmas, I hope that today will be a better day for you, uh, but I'm looking forward to just getting back into our study this morning. We've been, of course, in 1 Corinthians on Sunday mornings for the majority of the last uh, five months, um, except for the last three weeks. We took a break, and of course, uh, I was out of town, or last two weeks, I was out of town the 12th, and our guys did a great job preaching that day, Robert in the morning, Carlos that night, and then last week, we of course had our Christmas focus, and today, getting right back into the book of 1 Corinthians, but since it's been a few weeks that we've been on it, let's just recap a couple of things of where, what we've learned and what we've studied out. Of course, the book of 1 Corinthians, a letter written by Paul, a great apostle, if you know the story of of Paul, once a great persecutor of the early church, but then uh, became a, a preacher of Christ. And God saved him uh, in Acts chapter number eight and nine. We can see the conversion of Paul, Acts chapter nine, excuse me, and everything that took place in Paul's life. And then God would use Paul. Man, God would use him to start uh, over two dozen churches and, and probably more than that. But he also would write 13 or 14 of the books that we read in the New Testament. One of those books is a letter. They're called Pauline Epistles or Paul's letters, and one of them is this book of 1 Corinthians, written to the believers at the church of Corinth. You say, well, Pastor Dennis, why would Paul write to the believers at, church of, at the church of Corinth? Because if you went to Acts 18, Acts 18, we discover that Paul went into Corinth and God used him to reach hundreds of people for Christ. And Paul would actually stay there for 18 months. He would stay in Corinth teaching and reaching people and discipling people. And really, God used Paul to change a number of lives in Corinth over that 18-month period. But after Paul left, that church continued to grow. And the church continued to grow and continued to see, uh, if I could say it this way, success as a church. And they began uh, to see peop more people come to Christ. But after a few years... If you've been with us in our study, after a few years of Paul being gone, a, a delegation was sent to Paul. Um, you can go to uh, 1 Corinthians 16 and see the names of them. Uh, Stephanus and uh, uh, Fortunatus and uh, Achaicus were three of those that were in the delegation that came to Paul. And when they came to Paul, they came to him and they told him, hey, Paul, church isn't doing so hot. <laughs> Uh, Paul, things have been real rough, and they begin to tell Paul that the church was in this state of uh, consistently arguing. They were many, many of them being led by pride or arrogance. Many of them were excusing sin, and many of them were divisive and immoral and indifferent toward the preaching of God's word. And really, if you were to narrow it down, you would say that the church of Corinth, they just had issues. They had a lot of issues. How many of you know people with a lot of issues? No, don't raise your hand. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. You know what? They had a lot of issues, but at the core of it, and mark it down, at the core of their issues was this one word of pride. I just want to tell you this morning before we really get into our study that I guarantee you at the core of many of your issues and many of my issues in life is pride. You want to know why you argue as a husband and a wife often? Pride. Only by pride cometh contention. You want to know why at the workplace, sometimes, sometimes at work, it just seems like you just can't get along with anybody? Want to know why? Pride. Yeah, pastor, my coworkers, they're prideful. No, <laughs> no, usually it's our heart. Well, the church at Corinth, they were a proud church. The church at Corinth, they were at this place where they wouldn't listen to anybody. And so Paul, he, he writes back to them this letter. The first six chapters, Paul deals with issues. 
I mean, if you go read those first six chapters, it's hard. Paul writes to them like, hey, you guys are arguing and you're contentious. This is not God's spirit. You're proud. Hey, you guys are excusing sin. He writes to them about all the issues. And then from chapter seven, all the way through almost about the end of the, the entire letter, he answers questions. He answers questions about marriage, about relationships, about the gray areas of the Christian life and things being offered to idols. And in this current section that we're in right now, Paul is answering questions about this area of spiritual gifts within the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14 deal with spiritual gifts, the giftedness of the church. And you say, well, pastor, what does that mean? Well, here's what we've learned so far. We've learned that once a person receives Jesus Christ as Savior, every believer, everyone who's trusted Christ, every believer at the moment of salvation receives the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit moves into the believer's life at the moment of salvation. The Bible actually, Paul actually wrote it this way to the believers at Rome. He says, if you don't have the Spirit of God, you don't belong to God. What's that help us understand? It helps us understand that when a person trusts Christ, the Holy Spirit of God moves in. It doesn't happen in progression. It's once you trust Christ, man, Jesus moves in. Aren't you thankful that Jesus said, I want to move in and take up residency in your life? Man, he wants to move in and bring you everything that he is. All that we looked at last week encapsulated in, the, in, in Jesus Christ, that baby, that uh, child that was born, Emmanuel, God with us. Everything, the, the name Comforter, the name Wonderful, the name Counselor, the Prince of Peace, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. Man, Jesus is all of that and desires to be all of that in your life. And you know what? When his presence came into your life, all of those things became something that he offers to each of us. Isn't that awesome? That's just so cool to me. So every believer receives the Holy Spirit. What else? Well, every believer is gifted. Once you trust Christ as Savior, God brings into your life certain characteristics or spiritual gifts, and he brings them into your life for a purpose. Every, every believer has the Holy Spirit. Every believer is gifted. Every believer is important. Man, God says, I put you in the church and I want to use you in the church. And then we, we looked a few weeks ago that every believer is responsible. We're responsible to use our gifts for the Lord. But then last, uh, last message, we learned this. We learned that in spite of what gifts we have or don't have, you know what every single Christian can do? Every single Christian can serve God in love. Every Christian can love God and love people. And here's what Paul wrote about in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You can have all the giftedness in the world, but if you serve without loving, you've missed it. You've missed it. Hey, don't come to church and desire just to be seen. No, come to church and desire to show people how much you love God. Come to church and show God how much you love him. Wake up on Tuesday and go to work and live life for God. Why? Because I love him. And we looked a couple of weeks ago and understood that every single believer, man, regardless of what our spiritual gift is, every believer, every believer is capable of loving God and loving people. Isn't that what Jesus said? He kind of boiled the Christian life down to that, didn't he? Man, John chapter 13, Jesus boiled it down to loving God and loving people. Uh, the book of Deuteronomy chapter number six, even to the, to, the, uh, uh, to the Israelites and to the Hebrews, to the Jews, you know, God broke it down. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. And after this, love thy neighbor as thyself. Hey, you know what the Christian life boils down to? Love God and love people. I love that. Our theme a few years ago was consumed, loving God, loving people. Probably one of my favorite themes that we've ever had just because it just boils it down so well. Man, love God and love people. Well, this week, as we come back into our study, we're going to close out the subject of the giftedness or spiritual gifts of believers by understanding this, that when God gifted you, and if you're saved, if you know Christ is your Savior, you have a spiritual gift. So, Pastor Dennis, I don't know what it is. We'll get to that. But when God gifted you, he did it with a purpose. He gifted you with a purpose. How many of you, uh, how many of you genuinely, you got somebody, 
something for Christmas yesterday. All right, good, good. Most people in here. How many of you aren't going to raise your hand no matter what I ask? Okay, good. There's a few of you. Yesterday, I, I guarantee you that probably most people that you know, most people that I know, they got somebody something for Christmas. And of course, if you've been in church, you know the phrase, it's better to give than it is to receive, and we know all of that. But everybody loves getting a Christmas gift. Everybody loves it. If you're like, well, no, I don't like it, then give them to me. I like receiving Christmas gifts. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Man, everybody likes receiving a Christmas gift, but I don't know many people I don't know many people who go online and they purposefully buy themselves a gift to give to somebody else, knowing that that somebody else won't use their gift and give it back to them. Case in point, yesterday, uh, you know, weeks ago, I had gone um, online and, uh, and bought uh, purchased a number of, man, I love shopping online. <laughs> I don't have to walk through a store. It's amazing. Anyway, I, uh, I got, went online and I bought Christmas gifts for our family. And this has absolutely nothing to do with uh, my message, but I'm going to tell you this story anyway. Um, I went online. I bought certain gifts. I bought a board game that we had been wanting. And, and I bought my wife uh, something else that she had been asking for. And that same day, I, I bought it. That same day, she had gone, I think, to Tri-Cities with a friend. That same day, like I, I, I clicked purchase. She walked in like 20 minutes later, and she goes, hey, look what I found on sale. It was the board game. She set it down. I was literally like, I just bought that for you for Christmas. And then like a couple hours later, she was like, oh, and by the way, I got, and she said whatever else it was that I had literally just bought. So for Christmas yesterday, you know what my wife opened up? She still opened up to those two gifts. I got them for her. Might as well give them to her. She can take them back. But anyway, that has nothing to do with the message. Yesterday, one of the things that I got my wife was a, um, it was one of those uh, um, computer like picture frames that you can put up and rolls through pictures. But I got it for her, not for our house. I got it for her, for her art business. In my mind, I was thinking, hey, when you go to shows, you can, you can display your art, your art. It can be going through so what's not hung, people can see on that, um, what's a, that digital uh, picture frame, and people can see it. In my mind, it's a very practical gift. I did not get her that gift so that I could use it. Does that make sense? When you give someone a gift, you don't buy it, unless it's a newborn baby or your children, you don't buy them a gift that you could use. Now, you may benefit from the gift. One other thing that I bought Hannah for Christmas was um, one of those, uh, uh, like a noise maker. So when you sleep, it has that white noise in the background. And they have all the apps and all of that stuff. But we had one particular one that her parents had that she liked, and I bought it for her. I'm going to benefit from that. I'm going to benefit from that because I like white noise when I sleep. But I didn't buy that gift for her so that she could refuse it and give it back to me. Does that make sense? That's not, a, that's not someone who like is a good gift giver. Like if you did that, you, afterwards the altar is here. Repent. I'm just kidding. That, that's not a good gift giver. Now when we buy someone a gift, if you're doing it genuinely, you're giving it to them. Yes, you may ultimately benefit from it, but you're giving it to them for a purpose. And that purpose is usually, and don't miss it, that purpose is usually for their benefit. I'm giving this to you because I know you need this. I know you'll like this. I know this will bless you. Yeah, I may benefit from this ultimately, but I know that this digital picture frame, I know it's something that could be a help to you. Can I just tell you this morning that when God, don't miss it, when God gifted you with your spiritual gift, Although ultimately he is a beneficiary of it, it is for you. God gave you a gift for purposes in your life. He gave you a gift with purpose. God didn't give a gift that ultimately, that that, uh, primarily is just for him. Does that make sense? 
Now, does God benefit from our gifts? Yes, we're going to see that this morning. It is a beneficiary to God when we use our gifts for him. But the reason God gifted you, God gifted you with some purposes for your life. And when you come to 1 Corinthians chapter number 14, this is what Paul is writing to the believers at Corinth about. Hey, when God gifted you, he gifted you these gifts with purpose. I want you to see it with me. So take your Bible and stand. And let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter number 14 this morning. And I'm, we're going we're gonna to kind of skip around a little bit as we go. But today we'll cover the whole chapter and, and close out this section on spiritual giftedness. So 1 Corinthians chapter number 14 and beginning in verse number 1. <clears throat> Paul writes this. Follow after charity. Now, that word charity, love, right? Divine love. That was 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Hey, love conquers all, right? right? You go to 1 Corinthians 13, and he said this at the end of 1 Corinthians 13. Now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. The greatest of these is love. And he opens right up. Now, remember, Paul didn't write and put like 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. He didn't do that. It's just a, a con consistent letter. So let's read it from 13. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. Follow after charity. Hey, pursue love and also desire spiritual gifts, but rather that ye may prophesy. Now, the word prophesy right there, the gift of prophecy, we know it was split up into really two gifts, two different gifts of prophecy. One was the gift of forth-telling, telling the future, okay, prophesying, prophets of the Old Testament, they foretold of the future. The other is to herald forth or to preach, to preach truth, okay? Now remember, the gifts, and we've said this before, are divided up into three categories, right? You have speaking gifts, you have serving gifts, and you have sign gifts. The sign gifts, those were gifts that were given to validate the message of Jesus. According to 1 Corinthians, as well as to a few other places, we can discover that most of the sign gifts have passed off the scene. They have ceased. But the serving gifts... And the speaking gifts, God said, I'm going to use those. Now, back to the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy to foretell the future was a sign gift, right? Even in the Old Testament, like if, uh, I mean, uh, it's written in, um, in Ezekiel. I think it's also in Isaiah, might even be a Jeremiah and Daniel of if someone speaks, uh, they, they foretell of an event and that event doesn't come true. It, they are not a prophet because a prophet is always correct, 100%, right? Okay, that gift of prophecy to foretell the future was a sign gift. It's no longer around. But the gift of preaching or heralding forth, that is still around. Yep, pastor, that's all preachers, every pastor. Not true. Not every pastor has the gift of prophecy or or, or heralding forth. And this is also true. Believers, there are many believers who sit in a congregation every week that have the spiritual gift of heralding forth or preaching. And they may not even be a pastor. Did you know that God desires just to use your gift in any setting? And so there might even be a lady in here that is gifted in the gift of prophecy. Now, will she get up and preach and herald forth like pastor does? No, but she might sit across in a lady's Bible study and bring forth truth. There's some ladies in our church that I know are gifted in that area. And so don't narrow it down to gifts being gender specific. Does that make sense? And because God doesn't, okay? Now, God made genders, but God didn't say, all right, the gift of prophecy only belongs to men. The gift of teaching children only belongs to women. No, 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 no. I know many men who could out-teach ladies all day long. Does that make sense? Okay. You're still with me? 
We're going to learn a lot this morning, like this passage. My wife tells me I should stop studying after a few hours because I just get too much and we're here for like three hours. We won't be here for three, maybe two today, but not three. So here's what Paul says. He says, follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but one of the best gifts that you could desire is this gift of prophecy or to herald forth. And we'll see why in just a minute. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue. Now this phrase unknown tongue, it does not mean some babbling that, that isn't understood. Unknown tongue means speaking forth in a language that is known somewhere, but not known to the person speaking. Okay, and we can't get into all of that this morning. Just know that. Speaking not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him. Howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries, but he that prophesieth, speaketh unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. Skip down to verse number 12. Even so ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, see that you may excel to the edifying of the church. Skip down to verse 26. How is it then, brethren, that when you come together, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation. Let all things be done unto edifying. Now skip down to verse number 40. Verse 40, 1 Corinthians 14, 40. Let all things be done decently and in order. All right. We kind of jumped around. We got a lot in all of those verses. But here's what Paul narrows everything down to, and I'm gonna give you these, I'm gonna give you the three points we have today. Here's the purpose, here's the purposes of your spiritual gift and my spiritual gift within the church. Purpose number one, edification. God gave you a gift to build up people around you. Purpose number two, clarification, understanding. God gave you a gift to clarify Make clearly Jesus. Purpose number three, organization. God gave you a gift to be used decently and in order. We're gonna learn all about it today. I'm excited. I love the passage. I love the chapters we've been in. And I think today will help us. So here's what I wanna do. I wanna pray one more time, ask God to bless his word and the preaching of his word and ask him to speak to us and then we'll get right into it. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, would you take just a moment and right where you're standing, would you pray and would you ask God, God, please speak to my heart today. God, please speak to my heart today. And then would you make a commitment? God, if you speak to me, I'm gonna listen to you today and I'm gonna respond. Dear Lord, thank you so much for the day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the passage before us, Lord. I, I love it, and I know that it could be such a help to me and to your church today. And so I pray that you'd help each one of us, help us to hear from you, help us to be challenged by your word. God, I pray if there's someone with us in person or online, and Lord, they don't know that they're going to heaven, let alone anything about spiritual gifts. They, they don't know that you're in their life. I pray that today would be the day they put their faith and their trust in you. And God, we pray that you'd help us, that you'd speak to us. We commit this time to you. We humble ourselves before you and ask you that you'd help us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You go ahead and be seated. So as we take time to see the purposes and the benefits of God's gifting to us, I want us to see, first of all today, that God, he gives gifts for the purpose of edification. God gives gifts for the purposes of edification. In just these few verses, the word edify or edification is used or referred to at least six times. The culmination of it being 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 26. At the end of verse number 26, we read these words. Let all things, now remember, Paul is speaking about giftedness within the church using your gift in the church. Let all things be done unto or with the goal of edifying. If you go and you read the Pauline epistles or Paul's letters, you'll find that the word edify or edifying is one of the favorite words that Paul uses. 
It's an architectural word. Uh, so those of you that have ever worked in building, you would, you would relate with the Greek word for the word edify. It simply means to build up. The word edify, to build up or to establish or to make strong. Uh, they would use this word to define a building that had a solid foundation and a solid structural frame and everything on the outside was put there for the purpose of building up this building or securing this building. And here's what Paul says. He says that uh, this, this area of giftedness should be done to build up or to strengthen. We might use the word encourage, to encourage others. So Paul writes, and the culmination of the, the idea of edification of the gifts, the gifts being used for edification, the culmination of it is verse 26, let all things, everything you do with your gift, use it to encourage, to build up, to edify other people. Now, the mistake that the Corinthian believers were making was they were using their gifts, and don't miss it, they were using their gifts for personal edification, but to the neglect of the church. So remember, ah, okay, you got to stay with me. Are you ready to listen fast? Because we're going to go through some things. We've got to stay together. Remember at the beginning of the book, those of you that were with us, and if you weren't with us, you'll catch it real quick. Paul wrote to them, hey, you're very divisive. One man says, I am of Paul. One says, I'm of Apollos. The other says, I'm of Peter. And then there's a group over here that's like, well, we're just of Christ. I have no man will teach me. Hey, you are all operating completely off of pride. And then later, you're excusing sin. And all of those issues, remember those issues that we brought up just a few minutes ago that Paul wrote to them about? At the core of it was their pride. Here's what the people at Corinth were doing. They were coming to church and they were desiring, I want you to think that I'm special. And so when it came to the area of spiritual gifts, they were uh, spotlighting gifts that put everybody in front of people that could make me look good. Did you know that one of the reasons that Paul hits on the gift of tongues so much in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 is because of what he wrote in 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 26, and specifically verse 1 through 3 that we saw just a minute ago. When you come in and you speak in the gift of tongues, now remember, remember, we can't do this this morning, so don't get me off track. Don't, some of you are looking and you're getting me off track right now. We can't talk all about tongues this morning, to, but we have to remember this. Some of Christianity today has hijacked the idea of speaking in tongues and turned it into something that it was never intended to be. Okay. Um, <laughs> I have all these illustrations running through my mind. Uh, some churches have taken worship and turned it into what it's not. Worshiping God has nothing to do with handling snakes. Worshiping God has nothing to do with me taking my coat off and running around and throwing it and jumping in the baptistry. I've seen that happen. That has nothing to do with worshiping God. We could take, listen, we could take any part of Christian life and we can alter it to make it something that edifies the individual, and not the church as a whole. That's what they were doing with tongues. They were making it about them. And so some would come in and they were like, look at me. I'm super spiritual because I've got this gift of tongues. And Paul writes to him and he's like, hold up. You've missed it. Because somebody could come in and have the gift of tongues. If there's not an interpreter there, number one, he says later, number one, if there's no one to interpret, that shouldn't be done because it doesn't help everybody. This is why Paul uses the gift of preaching as an example of helping everybody. Look at verse number three. What does preaching do? The end of verse number three, it says this. 
He that prophesieth speaketh unto men to, or for the purposes of what? Edification, that's the encouragement. Exhortation, that's kind of what to do. And then the last part is comfort. I, I know I'm the pastor and preaching the majority of the times, but have you ever been in a service, whether I'm preaching or someone else is preaching, and some things are said, and it's like exactly what you needed? <laughs> man, and you leave, and you're like, oh, man, I felt like God just spoke to me today. Like, I don't know about you, but I've been in services like that. Man, I've been in services with one of our staff guys or with one of our men from the church that are speaking or maybe a revival that we've had. I've even been in services where I'm preaching and as I'm preaching, the Holy Spirit's like, you know, and I leave and I'm like, man, that message was for me today. What does that do? Man, preaching edifies, exhorts, and comforts everybody. Here's what Paul is doing. He's contrasting tongues, which they had put on a pedestal, and preaching, which they had minimized. And Paul is saying, you're missing it. You're missing it. Every gift is used for the purpose of edification. Paul later will say at that time, remember the, the sign gifts, the gift of tongues, he, he will later say, I'm not forbidding you to speak in tongues. No, what I'm trying to help you understand is giftedness doesn't equal godliness, right? He's been on that. We've been on that for a long time. Giftedness doesn't equal godliness. No, 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 no. What helps you be godly is when you're using your gifts correctly. And when you're using your gifts correctly, you're going to be encouraging other people. So he uses these two gifts. He contrasts the gift of prophecy, the gift of preaching versus the gift of preaching. Here's what he says in verses one through three. He says, prophecy, the gift of preaching, it speaks to everybody that's there. The gift of tongues, however, hey, the gift of tongues, when there's an interpreter, it's mainly even then used just to speak to God. And so Paul says, so the believer who speaks in a, a tongue speaks to God in praise and worship, but the believer who preaches shares the word of truth with the church and helps everybody. Now remember, Paul is not saying one is better than the other. He's saying this, you need to remember the purpose. The purpose of every gift is for the edification. So what does he say in verse four and five? He says this, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue, verse four, edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church. Do you see that in verse 4? I would that you all spake with tongues, but rather that you prophesied. For greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues. Why? Except he interpret that the church may receive edifying. What, what's Paul saying in all of this? And again, we don't have the time just to do everything. But he's simply saying this, God gives spiritual gifts to edify or to build up the believers. Verse five, greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues when tongues are being used improperly. Later, Paul would point this out that unless the tongues were interpreted, the message would do the church no good. And Paul would point out that an interpreter must be present for the gift of tongues to be exercised. And we've got to keep in mind that the members of Corinth, and listen, we really do have to keep this in mind. And we were joking about it with the staff this morning. But the church of Corinth, this morning, I'm looking around, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I can see 10 or 12 Bibles just right here in the first three rows. The church at Corinth, you know what they weren't doing? They weren't sitting there with their Bibles. Do we know that? I think we miss it. I think we try to modernize their Christianity to our current cultural situation. And right now, I mean, how many of you have more than two Bibles? Raise your hand. Man, many of us, more than two. Right now, I could take you to Brian's shelf. Brian, what are you at? 35, 36 Bibles now? How many you got? About that many? <laughs> Brian's a Bible collector. He, he does. He collects Bibles. He loves leather. He, just, he collects that, and I, I respect that. He, Brian could tell me more about the make and model of my Bible uh, than anybody I've ever met in my life. Like, he just loves the Word of God. <clears throat> Back then, you didn't have that. 
Carlos has a Paul's, let me see right now. Carlos has a Paul's leather Bible. How many of you have ever felt a Paul's leather Bible? You've never felt it? Feel that. Isn't that nice? Isn't that nice? Paul's, uh, Paul's leather, I have a Paul's leather Bible, and then I have a Cherry Hill Bible. You know, Cherry, here, feel that one. Huh? So this one, this one's made to be beat up. This one's made for me. Yeah. You know what? Today I'm holding, I'm, like right now, I'm holding two very nice Bibles in my hand. The church at Corinth, listen, the church at Corinth, they never had that opportunity. Many of them never even owned an Old Testament scroll. So the gifts were very important to the early church. The gift of forth-telling actual prophecy was very important to the early church. I mean, Revelation is a prophecy. The book of John, even though it looked back, John wrote in it some things that were to come because of Christ. And all the Pauline epistles, they're like foretelling of the future of Christianity and what would take place and of the doctrine and the core. And so people needed to be dialed in. But listen, if the early church missed, they missed the purpose, all of it was for naught. All of it was empty. All of it was pointless. And that's what Paul is writing to them about and helping them understand that, hey, you, as a Christian, you need to realize that God gave your gifts for a purpose. And when their gifts were being used incorrectly within the church, you know what happened? It confused the word of God in people's minds. See, right now, listen, can the Bible be confusing? Yes. But who has access to the Bible? Man, in America, everybody does. Uh, you can get the Bible anywhere. You can go on your phone. You can go on an iPad. You can go on your TV. You can look it up on YouTube. You can have somebody even read the Bible to you every day. Like, you could do whatever. There's devotions. There's this. There's, I mean, there, there's, we, have, we have access to the Bible. So you, listen, oh, don't, oh, don't miss it. That means everybody can study the Bible. That means you can figure it out for yourself. But back then, while they could figure it out for themselves, it took a lot more digging. And so you want to know, oh, oh, don't miss it. You want to know the best way, the best way for people to get a good, I'm getting into my next point. The best way for people to get a good glimpse of who God was, was when the believers within the church used their gifts purposefully and said, God, we want to use our gift to edify other people. Man, God's gifts, he gave them to us for edification. Can I just tell you this morning that God gifted you so that you could be a help to the church. He gifted you to use your gift to build up people around you. God didn't gift you so that you could be selfishly using your gifts for yourself. No, he gave you a gift to encourage, to edify. Uh, verse number 12 says that this, even so ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts. Hey, church at Corinth, you guys want all the gifts. Hey, want them so that you could have the purpose of edifying the church corporately. You know what's happened today? What's happened today is there's a lot of Christians that have missed this. And we, listen, we've made church about the individual rather than about the church. <clears throat> Did you know that, that when you come, when you come to church, yes, you should desire to hear from God, something for you, right? Every one of us want that. But did you know at the foundation of why you come to church should be, number one, God, I want to glorify you. Number two, God, I want to encourage other people. But did you know there's a lot of Christians that they say,
bless me. And they sing or don't sing with the spirit of bless me. Adore, come let us adore. Man, I hate this song. Come, oh man, man, I'm missing the game. And then there's other believers. They say, who cares if I'm not in my chair today? Who cares if I go? No one's going to miss me. No one's going to really care. They come and they say, you know, man, I know I could, I could probably serve. Like I could serve, you know, I could be a part of the greeting team. I mean, I, I'm friendly. I could do that, but yeah. <sighs> Just don't know my week. I'll, I'll put it off. Do you know what modern day Christianity has done? Modern day Christianity has done the same thing that, for, that the Corinthians were doing. We've made the Christian life about us rather than making, a, making it about God and about others. And Paul writes to correct them, and I hope that we would hear it as well. Your Christian life and your Christian spiritual giftedness was given to you for one of the purposes of it, to benefit other people, to edify other people, edification. Number two, number two, your gift was given to you for the purpose of clarification, clarification, to make clear or to help with understanding. Look at with me, if you would, to verse number six. We're gonna read quickly all the way down through verse number 16. Now, brethren, if I, if I come unto you as speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you except I shall speak to you either by revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying or by doctrine and even things without life giving sound, whether pipe or harp, except they give a distinction in the sounds, how shall it be known what is piped or harped? For if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? So likewise ye, except you utter or speak by the, tongue, by the tongue words easy to be understood, how shall it be known what is spoken? For ye shall speak into the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of voices or languages in the world, and none of them is without significance. We'll just say that for right now because I can't say signification. Therefore, if I know not the meaning of the voice or the language, I shall be unto him that speaketh a barbarian, and he that speaketh shall be a barbarian unto me. Even so ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. Wherefore, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful or unprofitable. What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. Else when thou shalt bless with the Spirit, how shall he that occupieth the room of the unlearned say amen at thy giving of thanks, seeing he understandeth not what thou sayest? There's a lot there, isn't there? Some of you are like, Pastor, I just totally missed it. Don't worry, me too. We'll all be confused by the end. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. The word understanding in this passage, not in specifically these 11 verses, but in this passage, the word understanding is used, I believe it's 11 times. And Paul uses, don't miss it, he uses in verses 6, 7, and 8, he uses three illustrations to help make sense with this word understanding. Okay, what are the illustrations that he used? Before we see that, we need to know the concept. Here's what Paul is saying. In this passage, if edification is going to take place, there must be understanding. Okay? If edification is going to take place, there must be understanding. Three illustrations to help us with this. The first is musical instruments, a pipe and a harp. How many of you you truly enjoy music. I, 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 love, I love music. You ever heard music, maybe someone singing or someone playing, 
and it's just like, just slightly off just a touch. Some of you are looking at your husband or your wife like, yeah, that's them. Uh, you, hear, you hear someone sing, you hear someone play, and it's just off just a touch. Does it sound good? No, it doesn't. Thank you, James. I got one no in here. No, it doesn't sound good. My wife and I, years ago, we were at a meeting, and this family gets up to sing. And I'm just going to tell you right now, they should not have been able to get up to sing. And I'm not exaggerating to say it was awful, 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 awful. Awful. Capital A-W-F-U-L. Awful. And they had them sing two songs. And then the next day, they had them sing again. My dad was at a meeting years ago when he was at this preacher's meeting and this group, this other people got up to sing. And he said it was so bad that him and the gentleman that were sitting on the same row as him, they both were laughing so hard they had to get up and leave. (laughs) Two pastors in a preacher's meeting. They couldn't contain it. They just got up and they left. I was at a youth camp one time and somebody began to sing and it was horrible. And another youth pastor, uh, Pastor TJ, many of you know TJ Wilder, who pastors the camp where we go. Uh, TJ and I, we lost it. Like it was fine. We were there until somebody went, you know, let out the laugh. Listen, when somebody's singing and it's off key, it's out of tune, a piano's out of tune, a guitar's out of tune. Man, you're just like, oh, let me ask you a question. Do you leave like, man, that was great. Do you leave encouraged? No, you don't leave encouraged. Point number one, here's what Paul is saying. If edification is going to take place, understanding has to be there. How do I illustrate that? Musical instruments. If it's off key, you don't leave encouraged. Second thing. The second illustration that Paul uses is a bugle call, a sound for battle. If a bugler goes and he gives the call, but he doesn't know what call he's giving, half of the call is retreat and half of the call is charge. It just doesn't make sense. What are the soldiers doing? They're they're wondering, where do we go? What do we do? That's what Paul's saying in verse number seven. Man, if if a call for war is sounded, it doesn't make sense. What's going to happen? Hey, the call has to be clear if if edification is going to take place. What's the third one? Daily conversation. Did you see it there in verse number nine when Paul talks about all of the different voices? He's not talking in those specific verses. He's not talking about the giftedness of tongues. He's actually talking about like speaking in a different language. You ever been somewhere and they speak a different language than you? What do you do when that happens? I'll show you. Smile and nod. I've told you before about when we first were at Lakewood and, and my dad was pastoring there and they had a Korean church that was associated. They met in our building, a part of our church, and they invited us over to the Korean fellowship and I love Korean food. But my dad said this as we were getting ready to walk in. He said, you won't be able to understand anything. Whatever they give you, just eat it. And I was 14 and I was like, but dad, he's like, I don't care just eat it. Okay. And I go in and I can still remember to this day being given things. And I'm like, what is this? And they said something. And I'm like, all I can hear is my dad, just eat it. Okay. And we went to Israel a few years ago, the first time. And you go to Israel and there's there's people speaking uh, uh, Hebrew there. There's people speaking Arabic there. There's people speaking all these, I mean, tons of different languages. And you know what you do a lot of time? I could be saying, yes, I'm going to give you a million dollars right now. I have no clue what you're asking me. Here's what Paul is talking about in this passage. When you go around somebody and different voices or languages are being used and you don't understand, are you going to leave like that was an encouraging conversation? Man, I'm really strengthened by this person today. No, you're not. 
what is Paul getting at in all of these verses? He's simply helping us understand that spiritual gifts, listen, spiritual gifts should bring clarity. They should bring understanding. Spiritual gifts, when they're used correctly, they're going to clear up some things. Well, what's it going to clear up? I love it. Verse 23 through 25. If therefore the whole church be come together in one place and all speak with tongues and there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say that you are mad? But if all prophesy, now remember he's using this gift of preaching helping us understand that it edifies, it exhorts, and it comforts. If you're using a gift correctly, and there come in one that believeth not or one unlearned, he is convinced of all, he is judged of all, and thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest, and so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. You know what happens when gifts are being used properly? It is going to clarify, don't miss it, it's going to clarify or make clear Jesus Christ. Did you catch it there? Paul, again, speaking about tongues versus preaching. The believers at Corinth, they were confused in this area of tongues. They were connecting, again, that giftedness with godliness. And Paul's saying giftedness does not equal godliness. And he's writing to them to help them understand this. Hey, when gifts are used properly, when gifts are used correctly, everybody coming in is going to see God more clearly. When gifts are used correctly, it's going to bring clarity to the gospel. As you and I seek to serve God, we need to realize that we should seek to bring clarity to God. See, our giftedness is, a, is about helping others see Christ clearly. We say it at church often, but when we come to church, we come for two purposes. Glorify God, encourage people. So Paul's writing here. Hey, your gifts should be used to make people clearly see God and to encourage other people. Don't get confused in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Paul's not trying to start an argument. He's not trying to say this is better and that is better. Paul is simply saying, hey, listen, when gifts are used correctly, people will be edified and Jesus will be clarified. Isn't that good? Man, when you come in and you sing out and just, man, I'm going to sing today. I don't care who hears me. I'm singing today for the glory of God. You know what that's going to do? That's going to encourage people around you. When you're a, someone who's outgoing and your spiritual gift is maybe that gift of hospitality and encouragement, and you're a greeter and people come in and they see you going, man, how are you? Good Merry Christmas. Here's a bulletin for you today. And you've got that smile on your face. You know what? They're going to, they're going to walk away from that conversation. They're going to encourage. And you know what? They're probably going to think, man, there's something different about, I love, I love verse 25 because it says they're going to look at you and say, of a truth, God is in you. Of a truth, you are different. Hey, God is all over you when you and I use our gifts to say, we just want to clarify who he is and we want to edify or build up other believers around us. Hey, listen, when people use God's given gifts into your life for his purposes, great things for God are accomplished. It's used for edification. Man, it's used for clarification. But another purpose today is God's gifts should be used in organization. God's gifts should be used in organization. Go down to verse number 26. How is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation. Let all things be done unto edifying. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two or at the most by three and that by course and let one interpret. But if there be no interpreter, 
Let him keep silence in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. Let the prophets speak two or three and let the other judge. If anything be revealed to another that sitteth by, let the first hold his peace. For ye may all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be comforted. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God, he's not the author of confusion, but the author of peace, as in all churches of the saints. Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for a woman to speak in the church. What? Came the word of God out from you, or came it uh, unto you only? If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you, they are the commandments of the Lord. But if any man be ignorant... Let him be ignorant. Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy and forbid not to speak with tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. Now, before someone goes off on a tangent and says a lot of weird things about those verses we just read, I'm going to summarize them to one thought. Have order in what you do. Have organization in what you do. Okay, now again, I remember uh, five weeks ago when we started in these chapters, I said we could preach for like four months just on 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. And perhaps in the next year or two years, we might do that. Just spend time in it because it's a great book, great, great chapters. But we don't have time to do it this morning. So here's what's going on. Paul is saying this. If you all come to church... And three or four people get up and start talking. And three or four people get up and start singing. And three or four people get up and start speaking in tongues without an interpreter. Uh, Is anybody going to be encouraged? No. It's just going to be a bunch of racket. You're not getting it. Brian, would you stand up for me? Carlos, would you stand up for me? Noah, would you stand up for me? And um, Dennis, would you stand up for me? And then um, Hannah, I'll have you stand up because I know you won't get mad at me, hopefully. (laughs) Micah, you can stand up. Craig, would you stand up for me? Just real quick, just stand up for me. And... uh, Leo, Leo, you stand up for me. Here's what I'm going to do. Dennis, I just, want you, I just want you to begin telling me a Bible story. Micah, I want you to begin singing any song you want to sing that's a good song. Hannah, I want you to sing any song you want to sing. Noah, I want you to begin preaching to me a message that I need. No, preach to Mercedes, a message that she needs to hear. <laughs> Carlos, if you would do me this favor, I want you to turn and I want you to give to the congregation just a message that you would give to the kids. Craig, would you do me a favor? Would you sing Jesus Loves Me? That's all I want you to do, okay? Leo, would you do me a favor? Would you do me a favor? Would you turn around and just start telling John Bible verses? Just start quoting them to him. Brian, I want you to sing any Christian song that you know, okay? I'll give you all just a second to think about it. As loud as you can. Ready? Go. Okay, stop. Now, you guys can be seated, but do you get the picture? Here's what, this, and don't, don't miss it. Here's what Paul, some of you are like, I was really interested in what they were saying. I could actually hear them. <laughs> some of you are like, that was heresy. Uh, Mercedes was like, Noah, you better stop it, buddy. <laughs> Listen, if that, if that were to happen at a church service, who would leave encouraged? Only the people who spoke, right? Because I, I think I was heard. And so here's what Paul says. When you come in, I'm not saying don't sing, don't preach, don't speak in, in, in tongues. I'm not saying that. Paul is saying one at a time. Hey, let one person get up and testify. Let one group get up and sing a song with understanding. Did you see that in there when we read it? I, I didn't point it out, but man, let one, let, let a group, let people sing with understanding. Why? There's got to be understanding. And then Paul hits on a subject that a lot of men like to touch on. 
Let women keep silence in the church. And they like to, you know, just really go on that. All right. Here's what was taking place. Remember, context matters. Here's what was taking place in the church at Corinth. Remember a few weeks ago, we learned about the believers at Corinth wearing head coverings and not wearing head coverings, and it was a cultural thing at the time specifically to that place. Here's what was taking place in the church at Corinth from what we know cross-referencing passages. What was taking place in the church at Corinth is there were women within the church that were trying to correct the church, and there were women within the church that were gossiping outside of the church about the church and bringing that gossip within the church. Okay, there's a lot of things going on here. And so here's what Paul writes to them. Hey, the church isn't the time to be arguing over things. It's not the time to bring in your differences of opinions. It's not the time to bring in all of these emotional things and allow the church to become your megaphone of where you want to air out your grievances. No, if you've got an issue, talk to your husband at home. That's, that's what he said. If there's an issue and you, you're not married, then take it to the elders. That's what he's gonna say. Take it to the pastors. That's what he's gonna say in another passage. What is he saying? Have order in what you do. Don't just come in and argue and bicker with people. Don't just, just, just come in and everybody talk and try to talk over everybody. No, 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 no. When you come in, this is supposed to be done in order. Why? Listen, don't miss. Oh, it's so good. If everything's done in order, there is going to be understanding. And if there is understanding, there's going to be edification. And if there is edification, God is going to receive the glory. Does that make sense? That's what Paul's saying. Hey, God gave you a gift. Don't use it for you. God gave you a gift to encourage others, but the only way that you can really encourage others is if you just make Jesus look good and make Jesus look good in an orderly manner. It's not about you. It's about him, and it's about his people. And I love 1 Corinthians 14. This is the quote that I've summarized it as in this thought. Since the purposes of the spiritual gifts are the edification of the whole church and the clarification of Christ, then the gifts must be exercised in an orderly manner. You know what's going on today is too many Christians live in selfish, selfishness, especially when it comes to spiritual gifts. Here's what Paul is helping us with. Hey, you got saved 1 Corinthians 12, you trusted Christ and God desired, he, he gifted you. He gave you a gift. Well, Pastor Dennis, I, I don't know what my gift is. Hey, want to know the best way you can figure out what your gift is? Just start loving God and loving people and your gift will shine through. Amen. That's what it boils down to. Just start loving God and loving people and pretty soon someone's going to come up and they're going to say, man, you are such an encourager to me. And you might go, maybe it's the gift of encouragement. You just start loving God, loving people, and someone's going to come up to you and they're going to say, man, I've learned so much just by watching your life and listening to you speak. You might have the gift of teaching. Someone might come up to you and they say, you know what, man, I just can't help but watch, but I just see so much joy in you when, when you give to others. Hey, you might have the gift of giving, but it's not going to be seen if love is not at the base. But here's, here's the, the thought for today is God gave you gifts with purpose. Ultimately, it will benefit him, but he actually gave it to you to help you. What's he want to help you do? He wants to help you point to Jesus, clarification. He wants to help you build up others, edification, but he wants you to use it in an orderly manner, organization. So here's my challenge to you today. How are you using your gifts? Have you made your giftedness and your service to God all about you? Are you that Christian that says, bless me? Are you that Christian that says, no one's gonna miss me? Or will you be the Christian that says, man, God, I wanna come. I wanna make you look good. I wanna encourage people around me. 
And God, I'm going to do it in an orderly manner. I don't want to bring confusion. Church isn't the place to be arguing with everybody and bringing out my opinions. No, God, I just want to make you look good. I wonder, do you make Jesus look good? People watch you worship. Are they encouraged? People watch you worship. Would they say of a truth, God is in you? Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know that God is in you because you've never received Christ as Savior. So I ask this question today. If you died today, are you 100% sure that you'd go to heaven? Are you 100% sure that you'd spend eternity with Jesus? If you're here this morning in person or maybe online and you don't know that heaven is where you'd spend eternity, hey, today could be the day that you put your faith and your trust in him. He loved you. He was born as a baby. He lived a perfect life. Then he died upon a cross. He was crucified for your sin. He was buried. But three days later, he rose again from the dead to prove that he is God, to prove that he can be trusted. And he did that so that you could have him in your life, so that you could have forgiveness of your sin. And if you're here and you've never trusted Christ as Savior, today should be the day. Say, Pastor Dennis, what do I do? You simply ask Jesus to forgive you of your sin, to come into your life and to save you. It's confessing with your mouth what you believe in your heart. And so if you don't know Christ as your Savior today, your challenge is receive Christ. If you do know Christ as your Savior, your challenge is, God, help me to come to church, encouraging others and making you better. Thank you for listening to this message. It's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.